Previously on the Africa Borderlands Center podcast. Guy McPherson said, if you think the environment is less important than the economy, then try holding your breath while counting your money. <laughs> <laughs> and let me add, especially if you have a lot of money. So I just know. hold your breath and be counting your money. The ozone layer is a thin part of the Earth's atmosphere that absorbs almost all of the sun's harmful ultraviolet light. So, hypothetically, your sunscreen is gone, and the sun has gone to the gym, and it's back to heat harder. That should drive the point home, right? That's kind of scary. I know. Now. During the rainy season, the difference is not much. It is still very hot or very cold. It is always two extremes. There is no in-between. And this is because of desert encroachment from the Sahara Desert made worse by the prostration done by the people. I feel the government is not doing enough. I feel they can still do more. I recently heard that they have, they even have like a fund for climate change because um, I know as at 2016, there was a recommendation that ECOWAS should have like a fund for climate change strictly for the ECOWAS countries. The Africa Borderlands Center Podcast. It is our deepest hope that climate change is no longer classified under boring topics (laughs) and is prioritized for everyone to play their part. We even advocate that a lot regarding climate change be taught to little children in school so that it is ingrained in the culture. Welcome to today's episode. My name is Uju. And my name is Bumi. Welcome to the Africa Borderlands Center podcast, a 12-episode podcast series of the Africa Borderlands Center, sharing stories, rich, inspiring stories and experiences of people living in borderland communities across Africa. Today on the show, we will be looking at the issue of access to education in the Nigeria-Niger border community of Malaka community in Jigawa State. This is the Sahel region and it is home to millions of Nigerians. The majority of them eke out a living around the Nigeria-Niger Republic boundary. The said boundary seems as far as the east is from the west. It stretches from Borno State around the Nigeria-Chad boundary in the east through Yobe, Jigawa, Kano, Katsina, Zamfara, Sokoto to Kebi State in the far west near Benin Republic. Yes, so such is the vast swath of arid land that straddles Nigeria's north. This is trying to help your mind's eye picture where we are. The people living there are mainly pastoralists and subsistence farmers. Now, so let, let, let's give you some statistics. According to the World Bank, uh, Nigeria in 2020 had more than 11 million out-of-school children between the ages of 6 and 15. And this figure represents 1 in 12 of all out-of-school children globally and 22% of all children in that age group in Nigeria. In 2022, UNESCO estimated that about 20 million children are out of school in Nigeria. Breaking down the number into categories, you have girl children in the north, boy child dropouts in the south-south, 
and uh, southeast regions as well, internally displaced children and the Almajire, as well as nomadic children who are predominantly found in northern parts of the country. Now, taking that further, UNICEF placed the 2020 number of out-of-school children at 10.5 million, which invariably means that the situation got twice as bad within two years. That's not good news. That's all it's not. Yeah. So, to compound this situation, only 61% of 6 to 11-year-olds regularly attend primary school and only 35.6% of children aged 30 six to 59 months receive early childhood education i know that's a lot so i'm going to take it again only 61 percent of six to 11 year olds regularly attend primary school take that in and then only 35.6 percent of children aged 36 to 59 months receive early childhood education I'm sure that went in properly now, yes, right? Yes, sure did. Now, also, uh, states not in the Northwest, which Jigawa falls under, mm-hmm. have female primary net attendance rates of between 47.3 and 47.7%. Now, this means that more than half of the girl-child population in these areas are not in school. Yeah, that's huge, a huge number. I know a particular um, educational institution that uh, if you don't score up to 50, you failed. So that is failure because that's 47%. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the education deprivation in northern Nigeria is driven by various factors. Some of these include economic barriers, that's the money part, Mm -hmm. social cultural norms and practices, of course that discourage attendance in formal education and here's the sad part especially for girls that is so true because we have so much of a mindset change to achieve when it comes to uh training or educating a girl child but in the middle of this gloomy situation there are some people who shine a ray of hope to these helpless children one of these people is ukasha ismail who is a lecturer and education activist. I observed that in this community, there are a lot of uh, challenges that are hindering younger ones to attend education. These challenges include um, cultural, economic, and governance factors. One, the parents themselves in this community are not well educated because the belief is that Western education is not compulsory. What is compulsory is Arabic education because the dominant population is her Muslim Hausa community. So therefore, they don't believe that Western education must be attained by all their children. Uh, this is why the parents themselves are not educated and they don't see the value in education, especially Western education. So with regards to the economic factors, as you have been to the community, you have seen how um, economic uh, challenges in the community. Uh, many families are struggling to feed their children. And therefore, instead of them sending their kids to school, they rather send them to earn money for them. And another is Hawa Dahiru, a passionate advocate for community education. My name is Hawa Dahiru. 
and I am an advocate for community education here in Malacca. I was born in Gudumakankwana, very close to this community and after my primary and secondary education in Jigawa, I came back home and started work as a folio vaccinator and then started volunteering for different social programs. I was a community volunteer mobilizer for over six years before going for my NCE program where I studied mathematics and physics. There are a lot of things that inspired me to come back to my community and serve as an advocate. The first one is, it is after my NCE program, I realized that how just limited we are in our community. I observed that there are a lot of children like me, which I need to be mentored and tutored. And also illiteracy is the most biggest problems in our community. That is that inspired me to come back to my community and serve for them because there is no anyone that will assist them in the community. And also illiterate is the most biggest perpetrator of ignorance. Ignorance means defendance. I realize that today's world always need more independence fearfuls, not defendants one. It might be easy for us to assume that the benefits of a formal education are obvious and formal learning is something that everyone strives for. But the truth of the matter is, the reality is very different and what you have are wards without schools. Children having to walk for several kilometers to get to a school. And parents who, for various reasons, would rather have their children run errands or sell wares to bring in money to support the family than go to school. It's really pathetic. Now, the reality is that in many quarters, in many communities, homes and families, the notion that education is unimportant, overrated, persists and holds sway. Now, Ukasha and Hawa tell us more about this. I was once like these children, young and uneducated. But through my education, I have discovered that there is a better world out there. A world of science, commerce and technology. A world of endless opportunities. And I want more members of my community to be a part of that world. So there are a lot of challenges that I faced after I came back to my community to serve as an advocate. The first challenge that I faced is the parent of that community were uneducated. That is why they are giving us problems in sending their children to the school. And another challenge is that due to the harsh economic community uh, conditions we are in, some parents prepare to send their children to earn money for them you know, instead of sending them to the school. Third one is some of the younger children, most especially young girls, the parents are using them at home for house chores. So the parents are not eager to, them, to let them go to the school. For the girl child, the belief is also attached to cultural factors. The girl child are meant to be in their houses, exclusively in their houses. And two, they don't like to mingle with uh, the boys. Therefore, once they are growing up, they want to marry them off instead of allowing them to go to school. So this factor has also contributed to the low rate of girl child being in schools in this community. We'll be right back after this break. Still to come on the Africa Borderland Center podcast. Teach us how to read and we will learn to read. 
teach us how to count. Many problems we will surmount. Teach us how to write. Our words become bright. We'll also find out what efforts the government has put into trying to resolve this education conundrum. We have tried other programs that didn't really work and we felt this alternate school program will help in educating these children. We have also constituted a technical working group that will develop an SOP for the implementation. Or it could be that the system is flawed and weak and the programs are not being properly implemented. What baffles me is this. A similar program known as Alternate Learning Program is working almost seamlessly in Sudan, I'm telling you. And that's as confirmed by UNICEF. So why can't they work in Nigeria? The Africa Borderlands Center Podcast. Welcome back to the Africa Borderlands Center Podcast. us how to read and we will learn to read. Teach us how to count. Many problems we will surmount. Teach us how to write. Our words become bright. Teach us how to lead. Limits we will exceed. Teach us how to do it. We will heal ourselves next Teach us how to experiment and we will no longer relent. Teach us how to imagine and every one of us will win. This speaks to a yearning, you know, an eagerness to really desire to be educated. But is the opportunity often accorded the child? The answer to your question rests on how many avenues are created for children like this, who may be similarly deprived, and if their parents would encourage them to take advantage of such openings to be educated. I believe, Bumi, the reason for this is linked to high rates of poverty and illiteracy, as well as a lack of awareness on the benefits of education. I believe duty bearers at almost every level of governance have failed to show communities how liberating it would be for them and their communities if they educate their children. But then, even if government duty bearers are not playing their roles, what about the parents and guardians of these children, you may ask? Now, isn't it also their responsibility to support their children, to strive and aspire for more and to be more in life? Yeah, great point you've made there, but that may be very easy for us to say. Really, how do they do that if they're not enlightened and don't know any other way or know any better? That kind of disposition eventually affects the way the children are raised. True to that. Now, we must also not fail to mention the negative role of insecurity, 
banditry, lack of schools in the community, like we mentioned earlier, yeah. or lack of skilled teachers, which also pose a barrier to accessing education. All the points are on point, right? Another aspect of this hydra-headed problem that baffles me are the gargantuan projects the government had said it put in place to resolve this issue. I mean, projects that we cannot necessarily see the fruits of it. Yeah, so let me help you. I, I like that line of thoughts, you know, and that, uh, that, that, that area you've, you know, you're delving into. Let me go with you on that train of thoughts by mentioning that in the year 2020, the federal government said it was committing 220 billion naira. 220 billion naira. So you can check uh, what uh, a naira is to a dollar or whatever currency you know uh, you're most comfortable with to have an, a better idea of what we're talking about. So it committed 220 billion naira and it happened to be a credit facility from the World Bank to the Better Education Service Delivery for All. It's BEDSA, BEDSA you know, it's an yeah. acronym in 17 states of the Federation. Now, the core of the BEDSA program, according to officials, is to increase equitable access for out-of-school children, improve literacy, and strengthen accountability at the basic education level. For clarity, right? The basic education level in Nigeria is a combination of pre-primary education, primary education, and lower secondary education. Thank you for that clarification, Uju. Now, so you, you're getting a fairer picture of this. Then, the BEDSA program has been in operation since 2018, all right, even before the injection of the 220 billion yeah, yeah. and has reportedly facilitated the enrollment of 1 million out-of-school children. But the results do not really look evident on ground. However, I recall when BEDSA was flagged off in Dutse, Jigawa State, that the uh, former Minister of State for Education, Chukwemekan Wajuba, had warned, in his exact words, unless and until our efforts at enrolling these children outweigh the birth rate, the challenge will continue to stare us in the face. Well, that is definitely something to give a lot of thought to. And similarly, in 2020, when the Universal Basic Education Commission, UBEC, introduced the Open School Program, OSP, to, unquote, mop up out-of-school children with the flagship in six states in Nigeria, Hamid Boboi, the executive secretary of the commission had described OSP as a flexible education system that allows learners to learn where they are and when they want away from conventional schools and teachers. There came the alternate school program ASP in 2021, which uh, the president Mohamedou Buhari administration put in place to target delivering a limited scope of subjects, mathematics, English language, basic sciences and social studies to children with limited access. The then Minister of Humanitarian Affairs, Disaster Management and Social Development, Sadia Omar Farouk, said the ASP is different from other intervention initiatives because it combines education programs with social protection programs. We have tried other programs that didn't really work and we felt this alternate school program will help in educating these children. We have also constituted a technical working group that will develop an SOP for the implementation. It's no longer a formal education issue. It has become 
an issue of addressing the humanitarian problem that has arisen from the gaps that those ones are unable to meet. And that is why the, the immediate solution or the immediate work plan is to meet as an, a steering committee to then identify all these figures around the country, in the various states and where they may be, and then focus attention as to what then needs to be done to address them. It is a program that will result in better life for all of us, our children primarily. The cardinal objective of this program is to increase equitable access for out-of-school children, improve literacy, and strengthen accountability for results at the basic education level in each of our focus states. The then Minister of State for Education, Chukwemeka Nwajuba, was also in that court. So, Uju, if my memory serves me right, I think at, at that time, she also said the target beneficiaries include those in internally displaced persons camps, IDP camps, those in vulnerable conditions as well, victims of insurgency and social and environmental dislocation, and then children on the streets and in the markets. Now, the plan, according to her, was to take the schools to wherever the children were, workshops, shops, and the likes. And that was a fantastic plan. All of these programs sound laudable, but is the reality on ground reflective of the goals and objectives of the various programs? You would wonder why programs like these do not seem to be making headway or much of an impact in Nigeria. It could be owing to poor monitoring and evaluation of implementation, impact and achievement, or it could be that the system is flawed and weak and the programs are not being properly implemented. All right, so perhaps it's poor governance, poor teacher training, inadequate facilities, poor implementation of these policies and programs. What baffles me is this. A similar program known as Alternate Learning Program is working almost seamlessly in Sudan. I'm telling you. And that's as confirmed by UNICEF. So why can't they work in Nigeria? Well, you have listed some of the challenges. Definitely these uh, programs will be facing in Nigeria. Poor governance, uh, poor implementation, etc. While we wait and hope for the government to get it right, uh, let's talk some more with Hawa and find out what she's doing within her space to make education better. There are a lot of ways that I follow in order to convince the parents to send their children to the school. The first way is that every month we are conducting a sensitization campaign for the parents so that to know the importance of education. Secondly, all the activities that they are doing in the community, I am joining them to do it so that they will know, see, they will look at me as an example. So that they will send their children to school they will not think if they finish their school, they will not come back to the community and sit down with them. I'm pretty sure that with more help and support, she will be able to do a lot more for the children, especially the girls. I agree completely because education is the bedrock of success and it builds a society for good in so many ways. After mobilization and sensitization campaign, the youth and the parents contribute the little what they have and build two classes of mud for us 
and instead of putting 20 to 25 children in the class we are using we are putting 70 to 80 children in the class which is no convenience for the children even the teachers and they are they are seen on the floor no mattresses and chairs even the teachers no permanent teachers they are volunteering sometimes they may come sometimes they may not come because no anybody is paying them no one will go and force them to come and teach unless if they have chance. started my advocacy in 2016 with two children. But now we are having more than 350 children in the school. Even the parents are willingly to send their children to the school. And even the youth, if they found their children on the way playing, they are fighting for them to send them to the school. Alhamdulillah, thanks to the collaboration with our leaders, we have achieved the enrollment of about 300 fifus in our nomadic primary school. We need more blocks in the primary school to accommodate more students. There is also a need for permanent teachers as all our current teachers are volunteers. Now, I'd love to see a situation where Hawa and advocates like her get the support they need to help more children achieve their educational goals, while the government also tries to get its act together in this area. I agree completely. Now, that way, insecurity, child marriage, child labor, yeah. uh, deplorable living conditions in communities and the likes will no longer be the order of the day. True. I guess this is where we will leave it for today's episode. My name is Uju. And my name is Bumi. Next time on the Africa Borderlands Center podcast, we'll be at West Pokot County Yay. in Kenya, <laughs> where we will be breaking the bias against women and following how some fantastic women are leading by example. Keep a date with us. The Africa Borderlands Center podcast is brought to you by the United Nations Development Program, UNDP, Africa Borderlands Center. <laughs>